What is your favorite room in your home and why? It would have to be our dining room. It gets really great light and it opens up to our kitchen as well. What is the biggest design faux pas? I have a couple of them, but probably my top faux pas is painting a different color in every room of your house. If you're on a budget, what is the most important accessory to add to a room? I think spending money on quality pillows really brings like a luxurious feel to your space. Even if you have an older couch, I think pillows really bring it up to another level. What is the best indoor plant for looks and ease? Anything faux. (laughs) I know some designers are against faux plants, but they make some really good ones right now, like a good faux olive tree or fiddle leaf or else real succulents that last a long time. Do you have a favorite design TV show? I love Sweet Home with Jennifer Welch. I think she's just hilarious. Hey, Tedra. Hey, Julie. So today on the show, we are talking with Nicole Salcida from the design firm Eye for Pretty. Nicole's story is unique and inspiring for anyone wanting to follow their passion. She spent 12 years teaching, a profession that she truly loved and valued, but she also had this growing passion for interior design. In this interview, we discuss how her first home remodel sparked a now-thriving design business. She offers great tips for people looking to upgrade their own home and avoid common pitfalls. Nicole's style is California casual, fresh and bright, with clean lines and soft textures. It's not stuffy or overdone, and we must add, perfectly beautiful. She's a firm believer that you don't need to break the bank in order to have a beautiful home. By blending old and new, high-end and discount finds, you can have the space you've always envisioned. A quick reminder, if you're listening on the go, don't forget to check out our show notes for each episode on our website. You'll find the answers to many of the questions asked during the episode. So before we start the show, we have a quick favor to ask. If you are enjoying the podcast, would you mind sharing it with a friend? Just click the share button and spread the get to know love. Thanks, guys. You're listening to We Get to Know Podcast, and for years, we've all been following some of the most inspiring creatives, innovators, social media influencers, and bloggers. Simply put, we get inspired. The next best thing to following our favorite people is hearing their stories straight from them. So listen in as we get to know Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So tell me, I always like to get a little bit of background on our guest. Tell me, where did you grow up? A little bit about your family and where you're living now? Yeah, I am born and raised in the Bay Area, Northern California. Currently, I'm in Danville, which is in the East Bay. My husband is Patrick, and we have two kids. We live in a great little town with lots to do, and we love it here. So how far are you from like the heart of San Francisco? 20 minutes, half an hour, depends. My husband actually parks there every day, so it's an easy commute. Yeah, that is close. It's been a while since I've been in that area. We had some business in San Jose a few years ago, and then, of course, we had to go into the city, but I just love that area. It's just really unique. I think San Francisco is really unique in Upper California, Northern California. It's nice. Yeah, there's a lot of pretty areas. I mean, you have, like, wine country, and then you have the city, and, uh, yeah, it's a great spot to live. So where did you go to school? I went to college at St. Mary's, which is a small private college um, in the East Bay, actually, in a little town called Moraga. And then after that, I got my teaching credential, actually. And I was a teacher for 12 years before I actually went into the design world. Oh, no. That's amazing. 12 years. So this is a whole second career for you. This is. Yeah. I made the leap about 
five years ago, and it's been pretty amazing. So you went to school and you thought, like, I want to be a teacher, right? When did you start to get, like, the itch that you wanted something more or wanted something creative? Even as a kid, I was always that little girl who loved to decorate her room and change things up in her room. So I've always been pretty creative. Funny story, in college, we had these awful dorm rooms, right? And I was living with a couple of my girlfriends. It had a little kitchenette in it. And we had these bright blue cabinets in our kitchen. One day, my college roommates came home and I had basically taken like faux wallpaper that looked like real natural wood and I had treated all of our cabinets <laughs> so when you walked in you thought you were walking into a brand new kitchen <sighs> and anyone that would come hang out with us is like where am I right now am I in a pottery barn <laughs> because I had completely transformed it that should have been a little sign for me right then to listen to that inner voice you know I also loved what I was doing with becoming a teacher. So how did you decide you were going to step away from one career and start something brand new? Yeah, I know. So after I had my babies, I was working part-time as a teacher. My husband and I had bought our first home and it was this adorable little fixer upper, totally like white picket fence downtown. And I just started decorating it. And we did little DIY projects to it on the weekends. And I think my love for design really kicked in hard at that point. And when we went to sell that home, our realtor told us that, I mean, we had like 20 offers over asking, hundreds and hundreds people coming to look at the home. And granted, it was at the height of the market at the time. Mm-hmm. What our realtor said was like, well, the way that you decorated it really is what sold the home. And he had had other realtors asking for my information to see if I was a stager or a decorator. So again, I think that was a light bulb moment for me. Like maybe I could turn this into something more. And it also was the beginning of the whole Instagram and social media craze. So that is when I first started posting a couple pictures of my home. Things really started to take off after that. So no formal training. You're self-taught then? No formal training. No. And I've been on a very high learning curve and um, (laughs) I'm learning every day, which is, it's actually been pretty amazing. And things that I'm unsure of, I'm not afraid to ask and to learn. It's going well. So five years in now, you said, right? Five years in now. This is my third year full-time. I was still teaching part-time. I had a big conversation with my husband and I said, hey, I think I think it's time to make the leap. I couldn't do everything to the level that I wanted to do it. Everything was just kind of, I was doing it well, right? I was good, but it wasn't great. So I said, I cannot, you know, be a teacher and raise our kids and be a great wife and then also try to get this design business off the ground. So I made the decision that I was going to retire, as I like to say, from teaching because I had a great career there and I was going to try this design thing full time. So you make this decision. How do you know what to do? I mean, you sort of flipped your house or not flipped it, but redesigned it, remodeled it. That's a big difference between doing something for yourself and then thinking, okay, I'm going to take on a client. And how did you even know, like, what was the first step and what was your first client like? Well, luckily it all happened very organically. So after that first house, we had bought our second house. And on that second house, it was a home that was already beautifully remodeled when we bought it. I just 
brought in all of the furnishings, the soft furnishings. What happened was I posted a room with my new furniture in it. I think I got a white pottery barn couch and I posted it to my regular Instagram account where I posted my kids and my life. And the real houses of Instagram picked it up and reposted it. And at that time, I believe they had like a million followers. Oh, wow. So I woke up the next day to having like a thousand new followers on my personal Instagram account. That was another kind of eye-opening moment of, wow, people are watching and they're interested in what I'm doing and this could be something really cool. So I started posting more of my own house and then on Instagram, I was getting direct messages like, do you do this for a living? I actually live close to you. Would you be interested in coming over and giving me some advice on what I should do in this room? So those kinds of things started happening. My friends started buying their own homes. So I would go and I would decorate for them. Like I said, it just happened very organically. And one client turned into two clients, turned into four clients. It really grew from there. I think my first big job was with, it was a referral. It was a family at the school that I had taught at. And he was a contractor. She had heard about me from, you know, word of mouth or Instagram. And they were doing a complete gut job of their 4,000 square foot home. And I went and met with them. I was really nervous. I didn't know much about the construction side of things. He basically said, I'm going to hold your hand and walk you through this and teach you this side of the business. I'm so thankful for that job. I learned so much from him and I still work with him to this day. He actually is the contractor that remodeled my current home. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So things like that, I feel like are all things that happen for a reason, right? Totally. I mean, to have someone take you under their wing on your first job and sort of show you the ropes a little bit, like, especially like if you're planning on doing new construction again, like with builders, I mean, that's just priceless. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, going into a job and being very transparent with your clients. And, you know, when I was beginning saying, I don't know this really well yet, but I am going to work so hard and I will learn it and I'll get back to you. And most of the clients I work with have just been really awesome. And they understand that they know that I have an eye for it and that I'm going to make it. It's all going to work out in the end. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're trusting your aesthetic. Exactly. The process can work itself out in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And I've also been really lucky to have some great mentors. And a lot of them I've met through social media. There's a lot of really supportive women in the business that believe in community over competition. And any questions I have, they're there for me to answer. So that's also really great. How would you describe your design aesthetic? Well, I like to think it's California casual with a very transitional element to it, which basically means that my designs are clean and I think they appeal to a lot of people. But I definitely like the white, the neutrals with a lot of really pretty layered textures in it. Yeah, I would say the same. It's very pretty. I wrote down like clean, light, airy, warm, but still like has a contemporary feel. It's not like old fashioned or anything or like super traditional. It's like fresh and new looking. Thank you. Yeah. So you feature a lot of your new home. You said you did a remodel on the home you're living in now. What was that process like? 
Because at this point, now you've got like all the sourcing, right? You know how a lot of it works. So then I was sort of curious, how was it making decisions for your own home and they're permanent and sort of all that stuff? (laughs) It was painful. (laughs) (laughs) I think you talked to a lot of designers and we definitely are our own worst clients because we know what's out there. We see so many beautiful things. We have so many great ideas in our head. And then just to bring them all together and know that you have one shot at it was very nerve wracking for me. (laughs) So, I mean, if you have followed me for a while, you know, I went back and forth on, do I do black windows? Do I do white windows? Do I go light on my floor? Do I go dark on my floor? So there's such big decisions too, because you're going to live with them. You're going to live with them for a long time. And I knew that this was going to be our dream house and it might be my one shot at doing a large scale remodel like this. So there was extra pressure for sure. But in the end, I mean, I'm super happy with how it came out. And again, I feel like it's one of my designs where it's something that our family could grow into. I left everything very neutral just so over time I could add in those layers. And if I want to paint, you know, a dark wall or a dark room someday, I could do that. What's a takeaway or like one thing that you learned, maybe the hard way going through the process, like you could save other people from making that same mistake? Well, it's always hard going through construction because you have to rely on a lot of people, right? And especially for what I do, all of my tradespeople and my subs, ultimately it's in their hands to execute. So for example, in my house, we had to get a new roof and that was going to be very pricey. But the roofer I brought in had talked me into this idea of doing a cool roof. I guess in California, we have laws about you know, what type of roofing material we could use. And I was adamant that I wanted a black roof because I have a white kind of modern farmhouse. And he told me that I absolutely could not have a black roof. I had to do this new cool roof and the darkest color I could go with was gray. So I come home one day, I'm not here when they were installing the roof and I drive up to my house and I'm like, that roof is not gray. I have like a blue green roof. And my heart just sank and I was like, ah, I just... I guess my best advice is follow your gut. If something feels off to you, you really have to fight for it. And in that situation, I let him talk me into something I knew that I was not going to be happy with. That's a really good tip. There's a lot of people who take on their own remodels out there. So that is a really good tip. If you have just something in your head that's telling you it's not right, it's most likely not going to be right. So listen to that inner voice. Hey guys, we're going to pause for a minute to tell you about one of our partners. Anyone interested in 30% off the best vitamins? We know health and nutrition is important to everyone. One thing that goes hand in hand with our health is supplemental care. We've partnered with Dr. C Vitamins to offer you a 30% discount off their premium pharmaceutical grade and medically endorsed line of supplements. All vitamins are not created equal. In fact, there is no FDA oversight for supplements. Unlike over-the-counter vitamins, Dr. C supplements are manufactured without commonly found synthetic ingredients. I mean, you guys, who wants synthetics going into our bodies? They're also non-GMO and gluten-free. Their standards are so high, these vitamins are actually manufactured just like a prescription drug would be in an FDA-registered facility. 
Most vitamins do not subject themselves to this level of oversight. People are always asking if we take these personally, and we do. I take the D3K2 combo to support bone health, memory, mood, and immune support, and their collagen biotin that supports strong hair, nails, and skin. And then when I'm having those nights where I'm having a hard time falling asleep and unwinding, I take the melatonin B6 combo, and it really helps me gently fall asleep naturally. So give them a try, you guys. Go to drccares.com, use our code WEGETTONOW, and save 30% on your next order. Now enjoy the rest of the interview. So let's talk a little bit about your business model. I mean, I read online how you sort of like have initial meetings and you have follow-up consulting and you'll do a design board. And then it sort of said like, and then the customer can sort of take it from there. Do you have like two ways that you do this, like full hands-on and then maybe for people who don't live in your area, do you have like services available? We do. A couple years ago when I was first starting, I did a lot more of the e-design stuff, which is kind of what you were talking about, where, you know, they would fill out my client questionnaire. I would get a sense of what they were looking for. And then I would send them a space layout with a design board, basically, and all of the sources on it. And they could go out and make that happen themselves. And that works really well for clients that are not local. But right now, since we are so busy, I really am not doing much of that e-design anymore. All of our clients are full-scale remodel clients. We're much more hands-on with them. What do you do if you meet with a client and they think that they want what you represent? They think they want your style, but then you get in there and you realize like that you're sort of having a clash. You know, like what do you do in that situation? It used to happen a lot more when we were not clear on our onboarding process. So for anyone kind of starting out, I think that's another really great piece of advice is just be very clear in your onboarding process on what are your parameters for, you know, finding your ideal clients. And I talk a lot about that. I run these Instagram workshops now where I do a lot of teaching about what I've learned as a designer and also about kind of social media stuff. But one of the biggest takeaways is to find your ideal client, you have to do a lot of kind of vetting before that. So what I mean is we're sending them our initial questionnaire. And in that questionnaire, it's asking them, what is your budget? What are your expectations? Send us links to your Pinterest boards. Just so before we even take on a in-person meeting with them, I can already tell if they are going to be my type of client or my ideal client. If we get that questionnaire back and say their budget, we think their budget is way off or our aesthetic is just very different, then, you know, it's going to be a thank you so much, but there's probably other designers out there that are a better fit for you. We word it a little bit differently, so it doesn't come across as hurtful or anything. But I think just being honest up front is the best policy. Well, and it's for their benefit too. They might not realize in the original conversation thing, like, oh, you don't want to work with me, but it's really like for your own benefit, like this person is going to have your same style and it's going to come out better in the end. Absolutely. And sometimes I'll go meet with clients on an initial consult and same idea, right? I'm walking around with them and I just feel like we're on two separate pages and they can generally feel it too. You know, in that situation too, I just have to be very honest and say, I just don't think it's a great fit, but I know there's other designers and I'm happy to recommend somebody else for you. So if someone like moves into a brand new home and let's say the home's like a little bit of a change. And so they don't bring all the furniture with them. Like they just sort of want to start fresh. 
What do you recommend for someone like they have a lot of purchases to make, a lot of furniture to buy? Like, what is a tip that you would offer someone like that? I would tell them to prioritize first, right? And decide which room or which pieces that you really need right off the bat, and then go from there. If it's just furniture, you want to pick the pieces that you are going to sit on or or you're going to sleep in. You need those big pieces of furniture before you do anything else. So I guess prioritize first. And then if you have trouble making those decisions, you know, bring somebody in to help you make those decisions as well. A lot of people are paralyzed with how many decisions they have to make, and then they just don't make any. When you bring someone in, I know people think hiring a designer is expensive, and usually it is expensive, but for a good reason, right? It probably saves you a lot of mistakes. Exactly. It saves you mistakes. It saves you time and money in the long run. What would a favorite project look like for you? Yeah, you know, I'm so lucky right now that I have a couple clients that are just, we just nailed our ideal client in them and it just works so easy. Our ideal clients are those that trust the process and I can't stress that enough. We get a lot of these inquiries where people think that they know what they want or they know what they're looking for and then they want to micromanage you. My favorite clients are those that say, I love what you do, Nicole. I trust you and I want you to do what you do, basically. So maybe those clients will present them, you know, we'll do a presentation to them and they will say, I love it all. If you need to tweak it, great. But I like this direction and you run with it. I've never worked with a designer, but if someone's like, I want a new sofa and maybe like redo my living room. I mean, do you give options or how does that even work? We do. So we use a great program for designers. It's called Ivy. It's our software program. And in that, we are able to send our clients proposals with a couple different options. So generally, say they're looking for a new couch, we might send them three couch options, and then they can easily accept their favorite one. We turn it right into a purchase order and they get an invoice for it. And then we get it shipped to them. Amazing. Yeah, that is simple. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier a little bit about social media and I was just sort of curious, what would you say has been the impact of Instagram or Pinterest in your business? Oh my gosh, it's changed everything for me. So earlier I told you guys about kind of that first Instagram post that really took off for me when a big account reposted my house. Since then, I have grown my following substantially and it's just brought about so many opportunities for me that I really never could have dreamed of, whether it's collaborations with with brands or it's going on trips and vacations and posting their hotels to gaining a lot of my ideal clients. It really has changed everything for me. It's funny because I don't know if you guys remember a couple weeks ago when Instagram had that big glitch and it was down all day. Yeah. uh I was kind of freaking out and I had a little bit of a come to Jesus with myself and, you know, where am I without Instagram and what will I do without it? And, you know, what it comes down to is just, And I think this is good advice for anyone is to not put all your eggs in one basket, right? So whether that's growing your email list or growing your Pinterest following, I think that you need to kind of spread everything out so your brand has a presence everywhere. 
but I still love Instagram and it's been pretty monumental for my business. And some people are like, oh, it's not going to last forever. And then other people are like, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, people are really invested in it. And so it's like, I just feel like don't even sweat it for like a long time. Well, right. Or I mean, what can you do about it, right? Besides, you can't just worry about it. And even if something did happen to it, which I really don't think is going to happen anytime soon, we're all going somewhere else anyway. So it's like, it just the platform would change. It definitely is a part of my job. And I look at it that way. And I invest, you know, time and energy into it. So. Well, you have over 150,000 followers, right? I think. Yeah, almost 160. So you had that initial spike. After that, was it just sort of slow and steady all the time, like just continually gaining followers? Or was there other things that sort of spiked it from time to time? Yeah. So, you know, a couple years ago, we didn't have this whole new algorithm that everyone talks about. And I feel like it definitely was easier a couple years ago to see those spikes in followers quickly. Today, it's pretty slow and steady for me unless I get picked up by a big account or I have a project that's in print at the time and then they're reposting a lot of the work. So I teach a whole workshop about it and it's really about consistency and showing up. People want to be able to trust you and to know that they could come to your feed for content and they want that on pretty much a daily basis. They want to count on you that you're going to show up for them. So that's another big piece of advice is to show up and to be social, right? I mean, it's a very social collaborative platform. And if you are not commenting and interacting with your followers, then you're going to see those numbers drop or come to a plateau. Yeah, that makes sense. What's a typical day like for you? So a typical day is getting my kids off to school. I generally try to make it to the gym or to star cycle three or four mornings right before I go and I either meet with my team or I meet with clients. I go chicken on my subs or I am going to tile shops. Usually come home around one o'clock for lunch and I catch up on emails or I'm on Instagram before I go pick up my kids. And then we kind of have our daily, you know, soccer or football, kind of kids activities, dinner, and then I'm usually back online working after dinner and bedtime and things for them. Do you ever struggle with like finding inspiration or is it always sort of creative juices flowing for you? That's tricky. I... I'm always following the trends, right? So, you know, whether it's all white walls to now going towards everything is dark again, I think there's so much content out there that I'm constantly bombarded with inspiration and new ideas, which is great. But some of the times I have to just kind of shut all of that off and, you know, get inspiration from other areas whether it's going outside or it's going, you know, on a day trip to Napa and looking at all the beautiful wineries. I think inspiration is everywhere. At the end of the day, I think I'm constantly trying to come up with new ways to kind of wow my clients, right? Or make their space unique and special. I didn't know that dark spaces are coming back in. Oh, yeah, in a big way. Even like black exteriors. I love, love the mix of like the dark with the light with some stone. I'm loving it all. So, um, yeah, and a lot of people think by painting like a room 
dark that it's going to make the space feel smaller and tight and it really doesn't so don't be afraid to go dark it's sort of one of those things like when you first see it and you're like no this isn't working and then you start to see it pop up again and again you're like wait a minute like your viewpoint changes and you start to be like this does work i like what people are doing it's funny how that works yeah exactly and i mean again with all of these social platforms we're kind of seeing the pendulum swing constantly. So it's interesting what is changing and evolving. So I have a couple like sort of like if you have a tighter budget versus like a splurge budget, like where does it make sense to put in a bargain or a steal versus like a splurge? Well, I would say that things that you're constantly touching and sitting on, you're going to want to spend more money on, right? So a really good couch with a great fill, your bed, your mattress, things like that, that you are constantly touching and on, you're going to want to spend some money on. For me, I don't usually splurge on rugs unless it's a really pretty vintage or antique rug that I might find at like the antique fair. And then I'll splurge on a nice rug. But when you have kids, it's pretty hard to constantly keep your rugs clean and perfect. So in general, I don't spend a ton on rugs. They're kind of easily switched out. Um, A good table that's going to be solid and stand up to, again, like little hands and kids is a great thing to spend some money on. But things that are, I guess, that you're not going to be using as often or that you think are trendy at the time that you might want to switch out later, you definitely don't want to spend a lot of money on those. So if someone has sort of a smaller budget, let's just say they only have like $5,000 or $10,000. This is what I can do. And I want to refresh my home. Like, would you say like spread it out around the home? Or would you say like focus on like one main area and sort of put it all there? I guess it depends what type of house you have. You know, it's very popular right now to have an open floor plan. So if you're in a house like that, where you can see a lot of different spaces, we're going to want to come up with a plan, how we're going to make all of that flow and look really cohesive and pretty together. But if you have a house where let's say your living room is the first room that you walk into and it's a room where you spend a lot of time in, I would say probably put more money into that room as opposed to a downstairs office or something that you're not in very much or only you are in some of the time. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'd be tough choices to make, but it's like you want to make it stretch. I mean, most people don't have big budgets. And so if you want to do something to freshen up the home, you know, you want to try to make it stretch as much as possible. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Julie's going to join us here in a second, but before she does, I want to get a couple like tips. Do you have any favorite shopping sources, just like a cool online shop or something like that, that people could look for maybe great buys from? I love some good bedding. So like Parachute Home or Amity Home are some of my favorite bedding resources. As far as online, I love like Maiden Home has beautiful furniture and I love some anthropology finds. I love their home shop as well. So anything that's kind of unique and different, if you're going to shop retail, which a lot of people will, those are some good ones that you could find online. Okay. Okay, Julie, hop on with us and let's do some fun questions. Hello. Okay. Ted, I was laughing. You're like the authority on Instagram. It's not going anywhere. 
<laughs> I don't think it is. I mean, I mean, we're all going to listen to you put all of our eggs. Listen, in. there's hundreds of millions of people that are invested in it. We're not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, even if it started to die off, it would take five years for that to happen, in my opinion. Ten. I mean, again, the, the authority. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to hashtag that. That's true. It's true. I'm, I'm owning it. <laughs> All right, Nicole. So what is a great tip you can share with our listeners? One thing that is very popular right now is white paint, right? So painting your walls white, cabinets white. And I always get asked by followers, what is your favorite white paint? And how do you paint your kitchen white and then your walls are white and your trim is white and everything is white? How does that work? So my best advice for that is you stick to one white paint color and you do that in different sheens. So for example, your walls might be low sheen or matte, and then all of your trim is going to be satin or semi-gloss. It still looks different because it's in different sheens. So, and again, you know, it will look different in every room of your house because of the lighting, but and it would work with other paint colors as well. So just mix up the types of sheens if you're going to stick to one paint color in your house. I love that. And actually, as you were talking about that, I was thinking a, like a dark room, like a black room with different sheens would be so pretty. Yeah, exactly. It looks really nice. If I call you at 9 a.m. on any given day, what are you most likely doing? I am most likely at Star Cycle, which is my favorite workout, or I am meeting with my team to talk about our week. What is something people would be surprised to know about you? Well, I talked a little bit about how I was a teacher for 12 years, but I also am a hypochondriac, (laughs) which I'm not proud of. And I think I kind of manage it well, but if you don't know me, you might be surprised to learn that. Okay. Well, I am right there with you as Tedra could attest. It's awful. And my new thing now, not my new, but in recent couple years, it's really bad about flying. I just have this horrible fear of flying. My husband could attest to that. I was going to LA, which is a hour flight from here. And we took off in a horrible storm from Oakland and I was literally crying into his shoulder, like hyperventilating. And he was shushing me like a baby, like people are looking at you. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) So now anytime I fly, I definitely have um, a couple alcoholic beverages. I was just going to say that or the calm powder. Have you ever tried that? No, I have not. It's really, really good. It's just a bunch of magnesium, but it works really well. How do you like to decompress? I love a good day with my girlfriends. I love to go to foot reflexology for an hour. I like to work out and um, yeah, just basically get offline and do things that I enjoy. Here are three people you love to follow on Instagram. For design inspiration and architecture, I love Eric Olson Design. He's just insane and next level. And I think everything that he designs is just to die for. For fashion inspiration, I love styled snapshots. 
she's just adorable and her wardrobe is just very neutral and beautiful. And then for food inspo, I love Half-Baked Harvest. I love watching all her videos and everything she posts. Name the book you cannot put down. Well, I love Rachel Hollis. So I've read her Girl Washer Babies, right? And then now Girl Stop Apologizing. And I think just her little nuggets of wisdom are incredible. So true. It's like every page has something that you want to underline or star. Right. I love her. Excluding social media, what is your favorite app? Pinterest, for sure. I love just the visual inspiration and it's a place where we go to pin our projects and to, yeah, I could spend hours on Pinterest. What is your beverage of choice, both in the AM and PM? I love a good cup of coffee. I think a lot of us are right there. In the afternoon, it depends what time it is, but I love LaCroix. And um, if it's, you know, a little bit later, LaCroix and vodka. Oh, nice combo. I've never thought of that. (laughs) Oh, it's delicious. What city has you shedding a tear when you leave? Cabo. Cabo. We got married in Cabo. My brother-in-law has a place in Cabo. We go often and um, yeah, there's just nothing like it. Are you currently watching anything on Netflix? I just started on Hulu, actually, a show called The Act. Have you guys heard of this? No. Oh my, it's so disturbing, but enthralling all at the same time. And it's so good. It's kind of like a one-made where you don't want to watch it, but it just hooks you. It's called The Act. It's about a mother-daughter who um, the mother has that Munchauser sy- syndrome where she makes her daughter sick or thinks that she's sick. It's with uh, Patricia Arquette, and I forget who the girl is, but it's it's addicting. Oh, gosh, that sounds so, so interesting. Okay, I'll have to look that up. It's dark, but yes, but very good. Do you have a favorite beauty product? Yeah, I have a couple. I love um, the Rodan and Fields, the active hydration serum. And I love a good St. Tropez product, like their face tanner. So even if it's dead of winter and I rub that on, I feel... Like I've been to Cabo. <laughs> Who would you love to have coffee with? Shay McGee, hands down. She is like kind of my Oprah and I admire everything about her business model. And yeah, I would love to meet her. Do you live by a motto? I was thinking about this one and I, I really don't. I think if anything... Every day I try to remind myself whether it's in design and I'm working with clients or if it's with like my kids or my family, do what feels good for you. And if something is off, you know, listen to that inner voice and yeah, think how does it make you feel and how does it make others feel? Do you have a celebrity crush? Yeah, I was also talking about this to my husband uh, because I just saw that Paul Rudd turned 50 yesterday. He did? He seems younger than that. That was the joke is like scientists need to study what Paul Rudd is doing because he never ages. So That's so true. I always loved him. And my husband looks a little bit like him. So. Oh, nice. I'm sure he loves that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> How did you come up with the name of your blog? I had just had, I think, my second baby, my daughter, Emerson. My daughter's name is Emerson. No way. Yes. That's so funny. How do you spell it? Oh, E-M-E-R-S-O-N. Yes. So cute. So, Do you call her Emerson or do you shorten it? She, I call her Emerson, but, you know, a lot of people call her Emmy too, so... We've called Emerson Emmy forever. And when I say Emerson, she acts like I'm talking to another child. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I told my aunt, I said, Emerson is such a beautiful name that I want your teachers. I want people to call you Emerson. I know. No. I know. I hope she'll come around. But anyway, okay. So you after you had Emerson. You know, we had bought our first house and I had decorated it. And I was starting to do other small projects for people Social media was just getting big for me, and I didn't want to name it Nicole Salcida Interiors or Nicole Salcida Design because at the time, I didn't want to put myself into one box. I wanted to leave it open where I could, if I wanted to post like some like event planning I did or if I wanted to post fashion or whatever, I wanted to leave it kind of open. So... I had grown up with people telling me that I had an eye for it. And I remember kind of throughout, you know, a couple experiences in life, people were like, oh, you have such a good eye. You have such a good eye for it. So I thought of that. And then I just knew that I loved pretty things, whether that was interiors or fashion or parties, or I just like pretty things. So that's how I for pretty came to be. Is there one food that you absolutely will not eat? I am not a curry fan. I really am not. I know people love it, but I do not like curry. What meal would you choose as your last meal? My mom's chicken piccata. What is your biggest pet peeve? I have a couple of them, but I would say rude comments on social media. I just don't understand why people take the time and energy to comment if they are going to say something negative. What is the best gift you've ever received? My husband surprised me and he took my wedding ring and he added two diamonds on the side of my center stone for our children. So, Oh, that's sweet. You paused after you said my husband. I thought that you were going to say that was the best gift you've ever received. That is true, too. Maybe you should just stop it after my husband. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best gift you've ever given? My husband. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I am going to say, so my husband just turned 40, and he is a like Christmas, New Year's kind of baby, and he really has never had like a huge party. And so for his 40th, I surprised him and threw him this epic 40th birthday. And for me to be able to give him that was such a gift in itself because it made him so happy. What is the last thing you Googled? Well, because I am a hypochondriac, I think I just Googled like measles symptoms because of all of the measles outbreaks. <laughs> so you're a hypochondriac and you Google. Oh, it's the worst combination. Oh yeah. I refuse to Google. I just think the worst. <laughs> oh no, no, I should never. I've been with that advice several times. Okay. Last question. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? 
I think that just that life is short. And, you know, I think my mom told me that the reason why today is called the present is because it's such a gift. And I try to remind myself every day that today is a gift and tomorrow's not promised to us. And um, just to live your life in a way that you feel good about, you know, each decision you make in each moment. It's a great piece of advice. All right, Nicole, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. But before we go, tell everyone where we can find you on your social media, your website. Yeah, so I am at I for Pretty on Instagram, or my website is just iforpretty.com. All right. Well, take care, Nicole. And and we can't wait to continue following you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay, Julie. So time for a little host-to-host chat. We both have our dogs with us at the moment. So maybe a little doggy business in the background. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about summer plans. We're into the first few weeks of June now. Do you have anything cooking for the summer? Well... As you know, we typically go away to Mexico, but this year is kind of a little screwy. Two out of three of my kids are going away on their own, and so I don't have my full gang to kind of travel with. So we're still kind of up in the air about what we're doing, but Hudson is going to camp for the first time, and Olivia is going to Fiji on a kind of outward bound trip. So now it's just up to me and Emmy and Bruce to figure out our plans. You could take her on a little trip and she would feel like a star. Oh, we're going to take not just one trip. We're going to take lots. We're going to make the kids, when they come back from Fiji and camp, so jealous. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> I don't have anything set in stone. I keep envisioning wanting to do this big road trip where I go up to Colorado. Um, my niece lives in Colorado Springs and then... And some of my cousins live in Colorado Springs. I have another set of cousins that live in Denver. My other niece and nephew live in Utah. So I keep wanting to envision like going and doing this road trip in big, like sort of like circle, like visiting all them and getting out of here for the Texas summer heat. So in the back of my head, I'm trying to lure my mom to maybe go with me on this trip. So we'll see. So how long are you thinking you'll be on the road? Maybe like two weeks, maybe total. Oh, fun. Yeah, that will be nice weather. I'm overdue. You are overdue. I haven't gone anywhere or done anything in quite a while. So that's the plan. You deserve it. Okay. Well, we just want to thank you for listening today. And if you like the show, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes and give us a positive review. You can find us at wegettoknow.com where you can sign up for our newsletter. And we're on social media at wegettoknow. Head over to Instagram. We'd love to hear from you and get your opinions on guests and show ideas. Our music is provided by the talented Blake Atwell of Studio 1916. Until next time, take care as we continue getting to know all of our favorite people. 